So I, the key is definitely to build, build a strong team. If the team is really not going to work out, then you want to make some significant changes. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey everybody, thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it. If it's your first time here, welcome to the show. I appreciate you checking us out. Hopefully we are all that you ever hoped and dreamed of and you'll never go anywhere else for your real estate, entertainment and knowledge and content. Uh, but if you do, I hope you come back anyway because we are here for you. Guys, if you have been listening to the show for a long time, whether you've been listening to the last five shows or you've heard you know, all nearly 400 at this point, welcome back. If you go to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, whatever platform that is, give me a rating and review. I would be very, very, very grateful. I would really appreciate that. Guys, today we have a great Great one for you. I'm introducing you to someone who started his journey in real estate at the age of 18 while still in college. And after graduation, in his position as an actuary, he saw and he was very bummed about the hundreds of company pension plans that were rolling over the 401k and shifting the retirement risk to the employees. And it made him reconsider traditional benefits about saving for retirement. And after the, the dot-com crash, he started looking for ways to earn passive income and founded Martel Turnkey with his family. Very cool company that he runs with his kids. I love it. He also is the author of Stop Trading Your Time for Money. It's a great book. You need to go check it out. And he's also the uh, host of the podcast, Break Away from the Rat Race. Guys, this was a fun conversation with someone who not only knows what he's doing, he has experience to back it up. He's data-driven. So that's very, very cool. He's not hes not giving us emotional answers. These are answers that he has come to based off of data. So this is a good one, guys. I had a lot of fun interviewing Eric, and there's a lot of great content. So go check it out. Listen to Eric. Eric Martell, without any further ado, let's get into the interview. Hey, Eric, thank you for being here. Thanks for doing this, and thanks for uh, spending time with us today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me, Mike. I'm very happy to be here. Of course. All right, let's dive into it. You've got a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of things I want to talk to you about. I told you before we started, uh, we always do a little cyber stalking and some background uh, checks on people that we're going to interview so I have a better idea of who I'm talking to, uh, but not to the extent that I've, I've created a bunch of canned questions for you. I, I want to make sure this is organic, uh, but I'll, we have a lot we can cover here today, and I'm excited about it. But let's give folks some context. Uh, let's tell them where you came from, what what life was like before real estate maybe and how you got into the real estate industry to begin with? Yes, I mean, my first really foray, I would say, in real estate was when I was 18 years old. As uh, you know, as in, uh, we talked about, it's, uh, it's, this is my first apartment building that I bought. I was still at university, but I had found this mentor that was uh, just a regular guy. He was a community college teacher, regular salary and all of that. And um, his only advantage that he had really was he had the advantage of time. So he would spend time, he had flexibility, and then he would spend that time very wisely to figure things out and make it happen. And that's regular, uh, you know, teacher, community college teacher managed to build uh, a 32 or 36 unit apartment building. And, uh, and last time I saw him many years ago, he was building a shopping center. Uh, 
So, and you know, it's just ma- the, the amount of things that, and the drive that he had and all of that. Yeah. But all he had really was, was time. He didn't have that much money and stuff like that. And obviously he, he uh, that, that really allowed him to do a lot of things. So when I met him, I thought I have to, I have to take, take advantage of this guy. This is, uh, you know, and, um, so we talked about real estate and stuff like that. And he agreed to mentor me. And, um, then I went on that. Mm-hmm on that uh, adventure to buy this uh, eight unit apartment building. And um, so that was great. That was not a part of a great plan to achieve financial freedom or, you know, I was 18 years old. Yeah. I didn't care about all that stuff. I wish I did, (laughs) but uh, I didn't. (laughs) Well, listen, man, listen, I've got kids and my kids are fantastic, productive, smart people, but at 18, they were not thinking about buying apartment buildings. And I was going to say what's, what's really, what really struck me about what you just said was you, you, this person came into your life, this college instructor, community college instructor, and you were at least, mature and smart enough to know that, hey, I need to take advantage of this guy and not, not take advantage of him, but take advantage of the opportunity to get to know yeah. him and, and get his, uh, pick his brain a little bit. That's huge. Most people at 18, guys especially, because we're maybe sometimes a little slower to come around, we don't, we're not thinking about taking advantage of opportunities. We're thinking about how do I get through my classes? I just want to just do the least amount possible and go out with my friends. So kudos yeah. to you for at least having that awareness at that age. But for me, like this is also like this has it's been my life like that for my whole life. Right. So uh, even as early, I still remember like fourth grade high school. I just like I had read a book, a Disney book, probably 20 pages. And then uh, said, uh, I think it was uh, anyway. Uh, and so I said, I talked to my teacher, fourth grade, elementary, talked to my teacher and said, hey, I read this book. I want to do a play. And then, so she sat down and said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, well, we'll do a play. And then, uh, but that's been like that through my whole life. Like, you know, I'm not going to go through everything that I did, but in high school too, like we, we did so many different projects. I always had the support of everybody. As soon as I asked, I had the support of, of people. Yeah. Um, so when this opportunity came along to me, that was absolutely natural for me to, to take advantage of that and say, Oh, okay, let's, let's do this. And, uh, I never, I never even questioned that this was, what are the consequences or what the, uh, I only saw positive <laughs> and then maybe that was a little naivete. I think it's uh, it's a good, good thing when you're younger and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, and that really kind of, even to this day, like I'm always thinking, yeah, this is, let's take advantage of this opportunity. Let's, let's do something. Let's think about it and all of that. So, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that, that being naive when you're, when you're younger, <clears throat> I, Honestly, I think it can serve you and it can serve you as an adult too, because I see a lot of folks kind of hesitate or never really get into real estate or whatever they want to do because they overthink it. They analyze all of the worst case scenarios and that's kind of what they make their decision off of. And it's sometimes not knowing, you know, ignorance is bliss, like they say. So, I mean, it's not that you should go out of your way to be ignorant about your endeavors, but boy, analyzing all of the what ifs is not necessarily helpful either. That's right. That's right. And you talk about it in your book, actually, when you talk about that guy that goes to the, <laughs> to all the different meetup oh, yeah. and then it, uh, you know, but he never, and he, he sounds very knowledgeable. He has all the information and all of that. He knows how to calculate everything. <clears throat> and then, but you know, then you talk to him and you say, Hey, you know, so how many deals have you done? And say, Oh, I, I haven't bought anything. Yeah. It's like, 
like what's going on here? Like why aren't you taking action? And yeah. and that's the key. I mean, this is the key is really taking action. It doesn't mean that you have to take risk, uh, but you have to. There's there's just so much things that you can do pre investment, right. right? And then you're gonna learn during the investment. Yeah. There's no there's no other way to do it. And uh, it and in my book, I talk about kind of like a risk management framework. I know it sounds very kind of bad but uh, and boring, but it's really about kind of categorizing you know, what could go wrong. List everything that you think is going to go wrong. Yeah. And then is this a showstopper? Do I have to fix it before I go into this deal? Yep. Or is it something that, okay, well, if that goes bad, it's going to cost me $1,000. Okay. So yeah. that's, I'm going to assume that risk. I'm going to move forward. Yeah. And uh, when you're not thinking in these terms, when you're not listing all these risks and they're just kind of all floating around in your head, they're bigger than they are yeah. because you're, you're kind of like keep bouncing around and then you say, oh, oh, oh yeah, but then this this going to happen. And oh, yeah, and that, that, oh my God. Yeah. But yeah. you're not qualifying and you're not quantifying your risk. And totally. then that's what's preventing people from moving forward. I yeah. Think. I think on most times, I would say maybe all the time, but I'll be a little less um, uh, definitive than that. I'll say most of the time, the biggest fears that you have don't come true. Like, they just don't. They're mm -hmm. possible, but right. that's you know, it's everything you go to do. It's not like every worst case scenario is gonna is gonna manifest itself. Usually, your fears do not come true. Uh, but like you said, it's good to know. It's good to kind of quantify what they are and what they will cost yeah. and make a decision. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What you have to be careful of is not to go down that road to the point that it paralyzes you. And that that guy in my book yeah. that I talked about when all the RIAs and knew all the stuff, I mean, that was me, basically. I spent five years in paralysis analysis. And, yeah, and I yeah. know that feeling. I empathize with it, but I don't have a lot of tolerance for it because I know yeah. that it's just this make-believe barrier that you put in front of yourself. Um, real quick, before we get too deep into the real estate side of it, which I do obviously want to get into, um, you you got your degree and you became an actuary. Is that, is yeah, that true? Yeah, that's okay. right, yeah. So, needless to say, other fun, another fun job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, a buddy of mine got his degree and to be an actuary as well. Um, so I'm I'm familiar with what that is. But to to say the least, it takes a lot of a lot of brains to get to that degree, and that's that's a job mm -hmm. that is very analytical. Obviously, it's very numbers yeah. driven. So uh, I know that you you are a numbers guy. So um, talk to me a little bit about. And I'm I got a note here. I bolded it because it's just great. I, I love these kind of oddities that I want to talk about. Uh, you started various businesses, including yeah. a gourmet sauce company. Yeah. How old were you? Were you in real estate when you started that business or was that before you kind of got your real estate business going? I'm assuming before. This is before. Okay. So yeah, this is before actually dot, dot com crash. So this is like, I was in high tech. I was uh, working with um, a very good company, very successful at tons of stock options. Mm -hmm. And I had just moved in 2000. We moved to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And uh, 2001, dot, dot, dot com crash. And then I basically, you know, I salvaged some uh, little bit of money, but, you know, basically the whole thing was wiped out. Okay. And uh, paper money. I had diversified a little bit, but I diversified in stock market. Yeah. But the whole thing collapsed. So, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. you know, it's, that's not diversification. Sure, exactly. And, um, so then I said, oh, I'm tired of this. Like, this is like, I'm not in control. I mean, I'm set, uh, buying shares of these companies. I don't know how they run. And the pricing is not really connected to uh, anything real, especially, yeah. if, you know, in those days with, when you're talking about the, uh, the dot-com companies. And uh, so I said, I want to do something on my own. 
uh, again, because I've done that before. And, uh, but I want to do, I want to focus on passive income because yeah. I, I know I could see the end, had the end in mind that I'm going to eventually, I'm going to stop working. Yeah. You know, it's inevitable. Yeah. Everybody's going to have to stop working at one point or another. So let's start working on this right now. Yep. And uh, so tried different things. And luckily, my wife is also a, an entrepreneur. So she uh, she started a low-carb company, a low-carb grocery store. And then I, I supported that. And I, was, I still had my job. Then we did uh, catering and private chef. And... Um, uh, basically on a bet during a, on a, what does that call? Yeah, we had like somebody, there was some kind of like new businesses that were coming up where you basically go there and then the food is all cut and, uh, and, and prepared. Yeah. You, all you do is put it in a bag and then you, you microwave it at home yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay. Cook it at home. And I, I, I was not a big fan of this concept uh, because I thought, you know, there's a lot of problems with that. Uh, so I, we decided to do another another thing, and then that drove into the the, the into the whether we're going to do a, open a restaurant or whether we're going to open or do something else. I didn't want to do a restaurant because that was kind of tying me to a location, and yeah. it was also definitely not passive. Yes, yeah, no, <laughs> right. So I yeah. said, okay, well, I don't want to be tied to a location. I want to be able to work anywhere, and then. Uh, you know, but then I also want to be passive. I want to be yeah. able to take three months off whenever I want. And yeah. then, uh, so that definitely didn't fit the bill. So we, that from that, uh, we decided to create a gourmet sauce company. And, um, so that we did, we did that for five years and it was good, good experience, good learning experience as usual, but we didn't know anything about sauce company. So it was a good learning curve, learning everything, learning the marketing, packaging yeah. and all of that. And then also the production, production costs and um, all of that. So it was great, but break even again, uh, good learning lessons. And then we said, okay, well, I have to um, think of something else. And my, one of my son actually came to me and said, hey, I'm interested in doing real estate investing. And then it kind of threw me back to when I was 18 years old again and say, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, then we went to like a, like a, a one day kind of, uh, he had heard that on the radio. So we went on a one day kind mm. of a web and seminar and then we went on a three day seminar and then all of that. Okay. And so that was, uh, turned out to be a pretty good experience. And then my other son kind of came on board and that's when we, uh, we really started the business, the, the real estate side of it. So only in 2014, I think 14, that's when we started. Yeah. So did you guys go directly into multifamily or did you do a time mm -hmm. flipping houses and that kind of thing? Yeah, we did. So we were in San Francisco Bay area at the time. So, uh, very tough market. Um, and, um, so we started to do flips. Uh, then we, well, we started trying to do flips. Uh, and then we would end up in, uh, you know, putting bids on properties. I had two of, two of the properties that I put an offer on. They were actually in the newspaper for having like an, an, an incredible, uh, uh, increase from the listing price to the actual selling price. Wow. So one of them, I think I put an offer for, you know, $900,000 and it, it sold for $1.7 million. Uh, the last one where that broke the, <laughs> the camel's back, 
uh, was, uh, again, you know, $750,000 was the listing price, mm-hmm. uh, like a 2,400 square foot house in a very nice, in the inner sunset in the, in the city. So it's great location, lots of potential, good bones, but the inside was completely destroyed. There was okay. a hole in the roof. Uh, you know, there's water, there's everything. It was a complete gut job. Yeah. Somehow the garage was perfectly dry, no problem. But uh, anyway, the um, so I said, okay, I knew how the market was. I put an offer for 1.2 million and then uh, significant increase from the listing price, right? And I know it was a gut job. So, yeah. And I thought, okay, this is kind of, uh, this is good. We make a little bit of profit. Uh, I think it was like uh, we were making like 10% return. Okay. Uh, assuming this specific time frame, and then, um, but it sold for one point four million dollars, wow. and which was uh, incredible. It was my break-even point at the at the time. Yeah, I was so going to say that would be making no money based off of your math, like, exactly, and okay. taking all the risk, right? Yeah, so just like yeah. what's, that's, that doesn't make sense. So, um, so we went to the drawing board and say, well, this is we have to figure something out. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this guy, uh, this person. Uh, bought this property. So it could be somebody that was planning to renovate and move in. So that makes sense. You can amortize the pleasure of owning this house for uh, 20 years or so. Yeah. But um, so I said, we have to look at something else. There's something else going on that yeah. uh, we either have to lower our financing costs, uh, go find somebody that has a big wallet that doesn't know what to, how to, has too much money, doesn't, can't invest at all. Yeah. We have to reduce our cost for, for real estate. We have to find a construction crew. We have, you know, yeah. what are the options yeah. to, to get that to be more competitive? And, um, so we kind of, so we, we kind of moved away a little bit from that. We, we tried to figure that part out. And then, um, we had some opportunities in, on the commercial side in San Francisco. So that's what we, pivoted to okay. at that point. Okay. Um, I know it sounds interesting, but it's actually, it was actually easier for us to find $10 million to invest in a commercial project in San Francisco yeah. than find a million dollars hard money lending uh, in a, a flip in, uh, in San Francisco. Yeah. So, so we kind of worked on that and that basically fell apart as well. Okay. Um, and then our big, our big success really was we, we kept going at it and really looking at our resources, looking at what we can do and adjusting our strategy, um, and the, our market kind of like fine tuning our, uh, what the, our market looks like, what houses or what properties or opportunities we need to look at. Mm-hmm. And, um, basically we decided to go out of state and look mm-hmm. at building a turnkey rental portfolio, um, in, in other states. So we looked then at all the different markets. We picked Memphis and Cleveland and a couple of other markets. And we ended up uh, buying our first turnkey rental, uh, our first distressed property in Memphis. And then we renovated it and all of that. Now, why did you pick Memphis? Just out of curiosity, why Memphis? So when we looked at all the different markets, we, um, you know, I'm analytical. So I actually went in census bureaus and, you know, all of that and analyzed data. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And um, I actually created a website out of that called investor dash list. 
plug. And then, uh, what, what does so that do? Hold on. Let's not blow past that. What is that investor? In, Investor-list.com. So this is why I'm sharing the data that I've accumulated on these, uh, on these different markets. Is that still relevant and, uh, and active? Is it still something it's yeah, yeah. So it's brand, I'm, I'm building it right now. So it's, it's evolving, uh, okay. right now. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Um, cool. so if the features are not there yet, we're, we're in the process of, uh, of building that. Okay. Investor-list.com. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Cool. And um, so basically, we looked at we looked at landlord friendly uh, states. Uh, we looked at uh, sustainable growth, uh, economic growth uh, for the city. We didn't want to have something that was so the growth was so big that um, you know the too many people employees wanted to come in, and then the house prices would be too high, and then yeah. would, it would be too uh, it would not be competitive for us. Yeah. Um, and then we uh, we look at unemployment. Obviously, you want people to have some some jobs. We looked at also median house price and all, a bunch of other data. Yep. Yep. And um, so we had a list of of cities that uh, would work well. We also looked at what other investors were doing. We talked to other investors. A lot of people were interested in Memphis, um, Cleveland. Not so much, but we really like Cleveland because we uh, some of the metrics we did and all of that. So we started building a team in Memphis and building a team in Cleveland. Because in Memphis, I know we won't mention them, but you have a big competitor there in Memphis. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's a market that people are interested in. So I don't know if it's kind of like that, you know, that mentality of, well, I know this is not how you made your decision, but the fact that sometimes it, what I'm getting at is sometimes people freak out when they have competition. I don't think competition is yeah. necessarily bad. Um, no. Sometimes it's an indication if you're not super analytical or you don't have access to the data for whatever reason. Sometimes it's an indication if you have a big competitor there that there's something there, right? There's a good. Yeah. That's yeah. why McDonald's and Burger King are always across the street from each other because you know they do the research and they know that's where the that's where the traffic is. So very cool. Yeah. Cleveland, I, I understand Memphis. Cleveland is surprising a little bit. Um, I'm I'm in Michigan, so I'm familiar with that market to an extent. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good Midwest market. I get that. So yeah. Okay, I, I'll let you it's keep going. Very well. It's a great great economy. I mean, we looked at also kind of like business diversification. That's another big one. And uh, obviously, we don't want to be stuck into like you know like a Detroit, for example, where just like everything is so focused and concentrated on on the auto industry and stuff yep. like that and dependent on that. Uh, so we liked healthcare, we liked Amazon, everything that um, is uh, basically related to the online uh, online industry, I would yeah. say. Uh, <clears throat> so we're interested in that. So FedEx, UPS, uh, you know, Amazon, these kinds of things. Uh, yeah. So we're interested in that. And also healthcare. I think healthcare is not going to go away anytime soon. So Cleveland was good for that, for these uh, reasons. So there was uh, obviously the, the Cleveland Clinic is, uh, is famous. They also have the health tech corridor yep. there where they, they really incentivize a lot of companies to, to go into uh, and open their biotech uh, there. Yeah. So it's very, it's very good. That brings a different type of uh, job and uh, yeah. different type of people there. Totally. And Amazon also is investing in there. Amazon now is investing in a lot of different cities yeah. And actually, they opened up, they bought, ironically, they bought uh, two shopping centers and that they're converting into uh, warehouses uh, okay. in two of the markets that we, we're in. Wow. So, that's, that's a little ironic. Then. So, doing this investing and in, in, in <clears throat> getting these turnkey properties in other states that are far yep. from you, 
What challenges have you faced and how do you deal with that long distance kind of a business model? So I, the key is definitely to build build a strong team. So, um, and then, and kind of, there's a point maybe, maybe you, you, if the team is really not going to work out, then you want to make some significant changes. But our approach has been to kind of work with the team and then continue to work with the team. So if things don't go your way, really, you still work with them and you say, okay, well, let's make some adjustments here. Let's, let's do this. Let's do that. Sure. Uh, we, were, we were pretty lucky uh, to have found, so we're, we're looking obviously for somebody on the ground that's going to be the lead there, kind of like, uh, so we had a realtor often that would be, and that's what we have now is the realtor that is really the center of this. The property management company is also key, obviously. And then contractors uh, that we we can leverage, um, that we work with on a regular basis and we have good communication. Communication is imperative. uh, And uh, when we first actually started to look for realtors in these markets, I mean, we would, uh, my son did all the... uh, all the calling and all the, the the communication on that, you would call a hundred people, and only like you know, only like three or three or four would call back within twenty four hours. It was, you know, yeah. this was unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, so they kind of like get weeded out right away. Yeah. And then the other one, the three or four that you talk to, well, you know, three of them they'd never dealt with uh, real estate investors before, so. Yeah. And then you work with that one or two and you kind of figure it out that way. So, But responsiveness, responsiveness is very imperative for us. Super imperative. Speed is everything. Yeah. So when, yeah. you, when, now that, when you have your team, and I know you have a team now, what kind of tools do you use to stay on the same page with them? And I'll just, for example, are we talking like Slack or like <laughs> what t- kind of tools do you use to communicate? Because you said communication is important. I get that. Yeah. And being on the same page and sharing information is all, all important. What type of technology aids you in that? that way so for us at the center is the is our crm so we have a customer relationship management uh, system we keep track of everybody and everything Mm -hmm. in there and then from that we're using we're we've integrated that to uh other basically google we're a big proponent of uh, google sheets and Mm -hmm. all of that so we have uh we we have an integration with google sheet that basically creates a dashboard for us for all the deals and all of that. We also have a dashboard, a specific dashboard for uh, to to, man- to uh, basically manage all the constructions and all of that that are going on. Okay. I mean, we have 50 projects right now that are ongoing. So it's important to have a, a sheet and to keep track of the status and when the rehab is going to be done when we send the, the inspection, the inspector and stuff. Like so that. are the dashboards housed inside of your CRM and Google speaks to it? Is that what's happening? Uh, so the dashboard is actually is a Google is the Google Sheet, oh. and we're basically sending the data to the Google Sheet. So oh, okay. yes, yeah. So Google, they actually also have like uh, they've created. A, I'm gonna sound like a, a nerd, but uh, the they also have like scripting language now, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, and you can you can do wonderful things with that. And wow. we're using some other technologies to integrate as well. So okay, very yeah. good, very good. Yeah. I love that. So. Yeah, you have fifty projects going on. Is it still Memphis and Cleveland? Are those your two markets, or are you more diversified? Yeah, another. Okay, that's the two markets. We had other markets before. We had like St. Louis. We had uh, we had Birmingham at one point. Uh, Birmingham became too hot, and then we couldn't find the deals there anymore. Uh, St. Louis. We had other some um, 
like dealing with the cities and yeah. uh, the inspections with the city inspection and stuff like that was too risky for us. Okay. Uh, and now we're looking at other markets as well. So let's be real clear so that people understand yeah. what we're talking about. And I'm we're not talking about commercial at this point. You guys are doing turnkey rentals. Are these single family homes that you're renovating? Mm-hmm. You're getting a tenant in them and then selling them to someone as a turnkey rental. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Is That's that correct. your whole model now? It's it's all turnkey rentals. You have fifty projects going. They're all this kind of a of turnkey. So we also have uh, apartment buildings. Okay. So that's so basically a few. Initially, the, the the plan was to do turnkey rentals for us, like single family rentals for us, build a portfolio. We did not intend to create a to become turnkey rental providers. Okay. We wanted to build a portfolio for ourselves and then, you know, and then go on the beach forever. So, uh, even though that, you know, that's not really how I operate, but, uh, you know, that's (laughs) kind of like the, how people are visualizing passive income. Uh, but, um, so anyway, so that, that was our plan. But then a, a lot of, because we've done so many different businesses, you know, there's, uh, our friends and family, uh, people are close to us. They say like, you know, what are the Martels up to? Like, what are they doing these days? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen what they're doing. And, um, so then they started asking questions and then we showed them what we were doing and all of that. And, um, and then, so they were interested. They wanted to invest with us. They were, some people wanted to inv- buy single family uh, rentals, like from, from us, like turnkey and stuff. And then we decided, okay, well, maybe this, there's a business here. Maybe we can do this business and then sell the, the, the little, the properties that we had our portfolio. And then, uh, and then kind of like get, get the ball going on that and then buy an apartment building yeah. uh, and do the value add on the apartment building. Okay. So that's that's what we uh, that's what we did, and um, we, and then we needed a, a lot of capital to do that, and we could have gone to other things. But then I started looking at the return on equity. I had a lot of equity in the house. I had extracted as much as I could. Yeah, there was only one thing left to uh, to extract the rest of the equity. So I sold my how my primary residence actually in uh, forget like. 2016, 2008, 2016, something like that, 17. Okay. And then that money basically went into uh, buying a part, couple of apartment buildings and also funding a lot of these turnkey rental. This is when we change, we change gear. Okay. In, uh, in the turnkey rental, then we, instead of buying two houses a month, then we started buying, you know, five houses a month and six houses a month and then, you know, all of that and the apartment building too. So how, okay, so I know, I know for a fact, there's people listening that are struggling to find deals, right? They're maybe on a small, they're playing in a smaller field right now, maybe, but you, you said you went from buying two, two deals a month or two houses a month to several more. How did you, how do you find them? How are you finding these houses? Yeah. So um, uh, the realtor brings out an MLS. We still find deals on MLS. Wow. Okay. Um, So, you know, there's no, um, you know, about 50% of our deals are still coming from MLS. No kidding. Uh, Then we have uh, wholesalers that are, um, that are bringing a lot of our deals and we're, we're trying to uh, ramp that up and work with more wholesalers. Gotcha. Uh, We've actually started, uh, I've actually launched a, wholesaling company uh, in January and we have two people running that uh, called Rocket Offer 
OFFR.com. Okay. Uh, and then, so they're doing wholesaling. So they're bringing deals to us and other people, um, you know, so that's working great. Um, and then a lot of the times we have like the pocket listings, like basically a realtor week. As you are investing more and more, people kind of get uh, to know you. They see the the houses that you've built and renovated. Yep. Then they send you deals. Uh, this is how we ended up with these apartment buildings uh, because people noticed the number of houses that the investments that we were doing and the number of houses that we were doing in Memphis. Yeah. And they said, hey, you know, this, the realtor came to us and said, hey, would you guys be interested in uh, multifamily? And I say, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, okay. that's how it was. And um, so, yeah, so as you grow your company, as you get more momentum, then you'll find that, um, you know, deals are going to come to you as well. Yeah. You still have to go look for them. You know, it's sure. not going to, but you have to be active and, and, and groom your network. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, you know, the point here is I think there are deals to be had through networking, through reputation. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that, that really run their business into the ground because they just, they're wholesalers or, or flippers and they just go, well, I'm just going to spend a ton of money on marketing and the marketing yeah. dollars are not keeping up with the, the revenue that they're generating. So they go out yeah. and I, I know folks that <clears> run their entire business on referrals and, and network and just, you know, having that, that those relationships with people because this yeah. is still a relationship game. Even a guy- Absolutely. Absolutely. Who, who is a tech guy uh, by, you know, at heart or, or by, you know, experience in the past, you're using, yeah. you know, relationships mm-hmm. and, and those kind of things to help fuel your business and go forward. So you mentioned yeah. earlier on that um, you wrote a book. It's called Stop Trading Your Time for Money, a how-to guide for the middle class to achieve financial freedom, early retirement, and provide a legacy for future generations. Talk to me a little bit about that. Number one, I wrote a book. You mentioned it earlier and, and my listeners know by now for sure. Why did you write a book? It's not easy and it's not, uh, it's not, no. not time consuming. <laughs> so why did you write it? And then w- tell me a little bit about it. What, what's, what is in the book to be learned specifically? Well, I think we, we are at a very critical time right now. And I think that, uh, I don't know if people notice, but, uh, you know, with the pandemic is on, is only going to exacerbate what's, what's going on. So we have yeah. a retirement crisis that's happening and that retirement crisis is going to be, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit like an actuary, but that little, I like <laughs> that it. retirement crisis is only going to get better because a lot of the cities are going to go bankrupt after the pandemic, unless they're being bailed, they're going to be bailed out by the federal government and all that. Yeah. And, uh, and in some States also. So what is, what are they going to do? The first thing they're going to look at, they're going to look at, where the money is and the money is in the retirement, uh, the defined benefit pension plans look for the uh, employees. They're going to look at that. They're going to negotiate with the unions. They're going to knock this down. Uh, then we also have like a wage stagnation. I don't know if you, if you look back, if you're working right now on, uh, at a job, look at your, what your salary was in, um, you know, 20 years ago, compare it to today. And then determine what is to calculate the uh, the raise that you've had year over year, and uh, if it's more than five percent, you're doing pretty well. Uh, but most people they're pretty much at like one percent or below one percent in terms of the annual raise that they receive. Yeah, that's not keeping up with inflation. So something needs so and that's uh, you know so that's only some of the good news that I have. But uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> 
So, but the good news is that you ha- you can do something about it. I mean, yeah. it takes a change in mindset, but you have to you have to work on it and you have to take action. The sooner, the better. That's why my, I I keep saying that you know your number one goal in life should be to achieve financial freedom because it's inevitable. You're gonna want to retire. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be fired for a job from a job, and then you're gonna have a period of time where you're not making any income. So all these things, you want to work on the financial freedom. Yeah, A lot of people are thinking that also that, oh, I'm going to retire at 65 or I'm going to retire at 63 or whatever. You don't know what, what age you're going to retire because at one point your company or your job is going to be obsolete mm-hmm. and then you're going to be fired from your job and then then you're going to be retired because you won't find another job. Yeah. That's how you're going to retire. And uh, I was just watching a movie, uh, Company Men. Yeah. The Company Men. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's an old movie, but this is exactly like that. These guys, are, they just realized that, okay, now I'm obsolete. I don't have a job anymore. Yeah. And uh, I used to make this much. Now I'm going to make this much working on a construction site. Uh, you know, that's not, that's not ideal. Yeah. So and, if... Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go uh, ahead. I was going to say, you know, if people, so people are listening to this, by the way, if you haven't killed yourself yet, pay attention. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, people are listening to this going, okay, great. Uh, I, I want to get into real estate. What do you suggest to folks who are getting into real estate right now? Like, and, and you're an actuary, you know, you're, you've got that background. Uh, you're not oblivious to what's happening. We were just talking about what's going down, right? How do you suggest if one of your sons came to you and said, dad, I want to get involved in real estate. I want to work with you. Just tell me what I can do. How do I do this? What, what advice would you give to someone who's getting started right now, how they can do that? Yeah. So yeah, the number one goal should be passive income, build passive income. So that's the number one thing. Then after that, I think you need to look at your resources. And I, I talk about that extensively in the book and I, and I create like a strategy, uh, strategy alignment triangle, which basically have the strategy, the resources that you have, and then kind of, then you can define the market that you're going to go after. Yep. And in terms of the resources, I mean, the two big ones is money and, uh, and time. So these are the two, two big ones. And people don't appreciate how much, uh, how valuable time is and how little you have and all of that. And whenever you do a business, you want, there's going to be some times that you're going to have to spend. So don't neglect that, uh, because without being able to spend the, um, the, a reasonable amount of time on your business, on your real estate business, you are not going to be, uh, you may not be that successful. I don't want to be see you're going to fail. You may not fail, but it's, uh, so pick a strategy then. If you don't have much time, if you only have like four hours a week because you're working 60 hours a day and, uh, or not a day, but a, a week and all yeah. of that, uh, then find a strategy that doesn't require too much time. Work, buy turnkey rentals, right? And then they're ready to go. They're cash flowing. There's no, you don't have to do any research. Everything is done for you. And then, and of course, you know, that's, that's what I do, but that, because I believe this is the first step that you need to take. Single family turnkey rental is, is the best way to get, to get going. Once you buy your time, once you have your time back, you don't have the nine to five jobs, then you can do whatever you want. Right. Uh, you can do commercial, you want, you want to do, uh, you know, anything you want. Then you have the time to research and dedicate, uh, the effort to, uh, to make that, 
success. So that's that's my big thing. I love it. I love that. And I also want to mention that you have a, a podcast, Breakaway from the Rat Race mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Um, my notes here say 28 episodes. I don't know if that's entirely accurate. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. No, I think we checked that's that right, actually yeah. today is when that was. So tell me why yeah. you did that, right? You wrote a book. By the way, the book, is there, a, is there an audio version of that book, an audio book? No. Okay. Are you no. planning on doing one? I'm only I'm asking you uh, only because I'm thinking about the same thing, so I'm not judging. I don't have an audio version of my book right now, but are you considering doing one or no? I I was not considering doing one, but uh, if there is a demand, if people are saying, uh, "Yeah, we you need to do that," and then I might I might do it. Yeah, I'm getting that right now. I'm getting people saying, "I want to read. I want to read your book, but I don't read books. I listen to books. You've got to put this on audio." So I'm just considering okay. how I'm gonna when and how I'm gonna do that. And it's a I've talked to people who have done it before. It takes a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, a little yeah. bit of setup. And, and it used to be there was a place. We're getting off tangent, but I don't care. It's my podcast. We're, there's yeah. a place in in, <laughs> in uh, San Diego that I was highly recommended to go to. It's a couple thousand dollars. Spend a few days, and they kind of do all the audio engineering. And I have a podcast, but it's different a little bit. The yeah. environment you need and the settings and things are very specific. Uh, but with the pandemic now, they're not open for business. So I'm, I'm back to yeah. doing it in my home studio. Uh, but I'm just wondering if you did it and how brutal that was of, of a process. But you Yeah, I didn't yet. do it. But if you want to, uh, now that we're off tangent, might as well promote somebody else's book. <laughs> Here we go. Um, my, uh, somebody that I interviewed and I, you know, he's a, he's a great guy. His uh, name is Michael Zuber. Uh, he wrote the book One Rental at the Time. And uh, he put it on audio. So okay. uh, if you want to ask him, then... <clears throat> okay, cool. I may do that. I'll reach out to him, get his book, and then uh, that's a good entry point to talk about. we're completely somebody. off tangent. <laughs> now we're totally off tangent. Okay, but let's get back on tangent. Why did you start yep, your podcast? Yep. What was the, You're a busy guy. You've got a lot of things going on. Why, why a podcast? So podcast, I, again, wanted to share my story and, um, you know, kind of like get... Because I a lot of people... I started the podcast really when I sold my my house. I, I wanted to get people kind of uh, aware of what was going on and uh, and why I was not crazy. Um, <laughs> were you able to convince right? people that you were not crazy? I'm just kidding. Well, I convinced myself I was <laughs> okay, not crazy. Perfect. So that's, that's a, that was one thing. But uh, but actually, I, I, the the thing that was scary is that uh, I convinced two other people to do the same friends of mine. And uh, now I'm scared. I wasn't scared when I sold my own house. Yeah. Now I'm scared when I'm, somebody else is doing what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. And then I feel responsible to say, hey, you know. That's funny. Um, so, um, yeah, because that's something that's uh, that's important. I mean, I don't want people to go now and uh, and sell their homes and say, oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is great. I sold my home, but then I'm still not making money. You have to have a plan, right? Yeah. And our plan was to double down on the turnkey rental business. So uh, accelerate our uh, something that we already had a proven formula. We had the team and all of that and say, well, let's just double yeah. down on that. And then this realtor came and called us uh, in Memphis and said, hey, are you interested in multifamily? And then we said, okay. It's, then we put money towards that. And... Um, so now these these buildings are now you know we're trying to we're selling these buildings as well yeah. now. Okay. So um, so which is a normal progression I think for a lot of the people that uh, they're starting for turnkey single family rentals mm-hmm. and then they want to move up into the multifamily. So now we're yeah. kind of like doing turnkey apartment building. As gotcha, well. gotcha, excellent. So, well, listen, so that's kind of how I started with the uh, the podcast. Yeah. yeah. 
that's it's a that's a huge undertaking too. I know the time it yeah. takes and yeah. the energy and, and the commitment it takes to doing yeah. that. And I like hearing people's reasons for doing that because everybody has different reasons, right? And I, I think it's it's awesome when you do it. It sounds like you started off kind of just documenting what you were doing and talking about, you know, yeah. your your story and that kind of thing. It's super inspirational, helps people. I know folks listen to these podcasts and you know, not everyone doesn't sort of they don't resonate with everybody, but sometimes you do and it, and it helps you a little bit kind of feel like you're not alone in starting this process. You gave some great tips for how to get started. I love that. I love your story. I really like that you're working with your kids. I'm working. I have yeah. kids too. I have a daughter that came to me uh, a few years back and wanted to get started. So now we're working together in the industry. Oh, that's it's fantastic. super fun. Fantastic. A lot of, yeah, yeah, just, it's just great to see their growth and what they're learning and help them and, and they're helping you. So that's, just yeah. great, man. I totally appreciate you being here today. Guys, I want to remind you, go grab, can they get, can they go to Amazon to get your book or do you have somewhere else you want to they send can, them? They can go on Amazon or they can go on my website if they can't, they can't find it on Amazon. My website is martelleric.com and then if they do forward slash book, then there's going to be a button in there they can click and perfect. They, they don't have to enter any information on my website. They just click on the button. It's going to bring them to the uh, to the book. Got it. Amazon. Perfect. Stop trading your time for money is the book. Break away from the Rat Race podcast. Go check that out. Uh, Listen, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate everything you've shared with us. You've been very forthcoming, and that's uh, very cool of you. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Mike, thank you. It was a great, great discussion. Really, really enjoyed it. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Yeah, see you next time. All right, guys, how about that? Eric's a good guy, very smart guy, actuary. It's fun talking to those data-driven guys. I really enjoy that. And the turnkey model he has is phenomenal. Guys, if you had a full-time if you have a full-time job right now and you want to get into real estate, you want that passive income, but you don't know how to find properties, you don't know how to get the contractors in there and you're afraid of being taken advantage of and all that, that's a great solution is buying a turnkey rental from a guy like Eric and his company or whoever, but just buy that turnkey rental, you kind of mitigate your risk a little bit. You know what the income is, you know the area, you get all the stats, and there's a lot of benefit to going with a turnkey provider like Eric. So that might be the way to go, but in any event, go do something, get started, get some forward momentum, buy a turnkey rental, or go find your own property and get it renovated. But get out there and get started. Listening to this show is great. I try to provide you a lot of inspiration and a lot of good advice and different strategies for getting started. But ultimately, you got to pick one and go. This is not a bad one to start with. Get get a turnkey rental, start that income going, see the process, and then build from there. But if you want to go for it and go all in and build your own real estate investing company, find properties, hire contractors and all that, that is awesome too. But the point is you have to do something. So get out there and get started. Do something today that you will thank yourself for three months from now, and then do something over the next three months that you will thank yourself for three years from now. Go out there and get started. Make today the day that you decide to do something about it. Go do it now. We'll see you next time. Okay you're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over 100 a year. And I went from doing 
very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12-month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words just start. That's two words now. Just start to the number 5544. So text just start to 55444. I will send you a free digital download of my book. It's the complete book. There's nothing held back. And that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me. And I really, really appreciate it, guys. So I want to do something nice for you. I do this every once in a while at the end of shows. And if you listen to the very end, every once in a while, I do a giveaway like this. So hopefully you enjoy that. Go grab a free copy. I hope you read it. I hope you love it. Reach out. Let me know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.